Hello, strong, feisty women. Some of you may recognize my voice. I'm Celine Yeager, host of the Hit Play Not Pause podcast. Throughout my career as a professional health and fitness writer and now a podcaster, I hear countless questions from women who are trying to understand how their ever-changing hormones impact their sports performance. So we decided to serve up some answers in a brand new series called Hormonal that we will be releasing on the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast feed. Throughout this four-part series, reproductive endocrinologist Dr. Carla DiGirolamo and I will be tackling topics like periods, the pill, pregnancy, and conditions like PCOS, all from the perspective of sports performance. If you aren't already, follow the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast and stay tuned for our first episode releasing on April 15th. Also, have questions you want answered? Send us a voice note at speakpipe.com slash hormonal and we'll get it answered on the show. You are listening to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast, a podcast for women who are chasing epic and everyday adventures on their bikes. We are a production of Live Feisty Media and hosted by Christy Moan and Katherine Taylor. Hi, Christy. How are you? I'm <laughs> same as you. I know. You, you look like I feel. <laughs> Not a lot of sleep in the last few nights. No, none, really, to be honest. So I tried uh, the melatonin last night before I went to bed. It didn't, didn't work. So anyway, I yeah. I discovered that if you drink whiskey and have melatonin, they cancel <laughs> each other out. Well, I didn't drink. So there was no whiskey before no, the melatonin. No, I'm saying that for, for me. For you. Okay. Okay. I thought you were giving me some friendly advice, like <laughs> knowing my affinity for a whiskey that maybe I'd had that, that I hadn't, hadn't had any last night. Ah, yeah. So. It's, so it's Thursday morning. It's Thursday yeah. morning, right? When we're talking? Yes. It Today's is Thursday, Thursday morning. Mm-hmm. Two days after Tuesday. <laughs> the Tuesday. <laughs> Yesterday was the longest month ever. <laughs> yeah. Right. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so not a lot of sleep in the last few nights, just really mm-hmm. interesting to see what's going on in our country. Uh, hopefully by the time this comes out, we'll have some results and everybody will know. Yeah. I think that will take the, peel back the first layer of anxiety. Yeah. Is that, that unknowingness. I will say that, uh, before we did the launch of the rebrand for unbound, I thought I was anxious and that's nothing in comparison to where I sit now, which at least means in my mind, I have my priorities straight. That's true. true. Silver linings. That's what we're looking for right now. Silver linings. So, Hey, we got uh, good comments on the Instagram page about the podcast. How, how people been responding to the name. We're excited about not only how they're responding, but just because now we're moving forward. But, um, I mean, we knew that there would be naysayers, um, you know, I, I said to me, the name is representative of this, of this event and, and unbound, (laughs) you know, to me, it's exactly the storytelling piece of the event. Um, we've had some people comment like, why wasn't it Fun Hills Gravel, blah, blah, blah. Well, the truth is, is like, that's just exactly what it is. And, And unbound is way more than that. This event, um, gives you an opportunity to find new boundaries for yourself and, and, uh, 
let yourself just kind of be free out there when you're riding through the Flint Hills. And I think that's what captures, to me, that's the sentiment that really captures gravel riding as well. So I get it that, you know, we have a lot of great comments that people really like our logo, um, which I do too, of course, but um, I think the name will come along with it as people start kind of really, we get to do more storytelling around it and have more conversations about what unbound gravel means. Um, but long story short is uh, it's been, it's been largely well-received and for that, I'm super thankful. And I'm also just super thankful that we're, we're moving forward. So. Yeah. It's nice yep. to control the story again. Yeah, it is. It's nice to be able to, to, to spread the positive stuff that this event does for not only um, the community it, it lives and breathes in, but um, of Emporia, but also just the gravel community in general, getting ready to tell those stories and share the experiences. I'm looking forward to that very much. <laughs> yeah. Well, I'm hoping I'll see you in June. Me too, if not before then. So yeah. Yeah. yeah I mean, I don't, people still don't know. We probably never even met in person. We started this during COVID and COVID. <laughs> oh, I was going to come, we were going to come to, uh, the event. I know. And I mean, do you call it, so if you've done it in the past, do you still call it Dirty Kansas or do you just call it Unbound? Cause all the stuff would be, you know, I'm, I'm fine with whatever feels comfortable. I think my preference would be people refer to it as DK mm -hmm. when they're talking about it in the past. Um, you know, I know there's a level of what that stands for, but the thing is, is at least it's, it's removing some of the hurtful words in yeah. my mind. So I tend to refer to it in the past as DK and unbound kind of intermingling. Um, but, um, you know, Leland, um, our events director had mentioned, you know, there's no reason to not be proud of, of what it's been. Um, and I agree, you know, there's a, there's a piece of it that, that exists in history that if, if you're proud of your accomplishments here, you should be, um, no one's trying to take that away. So that's how I, I refer to it as DK. If I, if I'm talking about it in the past and, and, uh, you know, also unbound gravel. So there you go. Yeah. I, how have you been, what's going on in your world? Um, I've been good. Nothing super exciting is happening, you know, just, Georgia's become a battleground state, which is really mm -hmm. funny. We don't know what's happening here right now. Um, so yeah, uh, I've nothing super exciting. Oh, my friend did have her twins yesterday. I had a friend that has been pregnant and uh, oh, wow. all through COVID got, found out she was pregnant, like right when we went into lockdown and she had her twins. So that was really, that was a fun thing yesterday, kind of in the middle of all the anxiety and they're boy and a girl, super healthy. Oh, good. Um, I don't think they even had to go to the NICU. So, which is unusual for twins. I had one. Oh, that's right. You have, one, a, you have, yeah. you have boy and girl twins, right? Yeah, You're, I do. <laughs> she might be calling you to get some advice. I would <laughs> be behind you. Her advice. <laughs> 23 yeah. year old advice. <laughs> well, so my little group of friends, we've been pretty strict on our, like just hanging out with each other because mm -hmm. of her, like knowing we wanted to protect her. Um, but now I'm like, and we, every weekend we've been like, let's get together. 
And now I'm like, okay, we'll see you in two years. <laughs> yes. <laughs> You're like, no, don't leave her on that island. <laughs> it's hard because, right? Like it's COVID and, you know, you want to protect their little family now. Yeah, but, um, it is. So, yeah, but I'm taking, I'm dropping a meal off next weekend. So I'm hoping it's, to see them to I the mean, door. There you go. Yeah. Cute. I'll tell you, COVID is absolutely blowing up in Emporia. Like it's just crazy. So um, yeah, it's, um, you know, we're in that wave. It's getting worse. So it'll be, it'll be interesting to see what happens as we go into the holiday season. You know, I'm just trying to make yeah. some decisions about, I'm planning to go visit my brother and sister-in-law, but even Thanksgiving with my parents and, and because I'm single and I live alone and we're in Georgia where the weather's still good. Like I'm probably the, like one of the least at risk, mm-hmm. um, you know, cause I work from home and all those things, but it's still, it's a hard, it's, they're hard choices to make. Very, very. So. My mom is, that's been the hardest things. I think she's, she's a little bit uh, devastated. You know, she's trying to figure out a way to get us all together. And I'm like, we, we've done all the work to this point. We can't now go hang out for your safety. I mean, you know, we need to protect you guys. So put yourselves in bubble suits. I know. (laughs) And go in. Um, Okay. Well, I have a funny story about this week's guest. Oh, yes. So, uh, so we have Rose Grant on this week and uh, she just won Belgian Rockville Ride, but it was her first gravel event, correct? It's the first time she'd ridden gravel. She'd just gotten the bike right before the event. So the night before the event, like so she, short, she, I don't know if it was the night before, but it was shortly before the event. So yeah. So she's a professional uh, mountain biker mm-hmm. as taking as many mountain bikers are taking that step into some gravel. And so uh, I was just watching some videos. There's a guy on YouTube. I won't say who it is uh, that I follow. And he wasn't being in any way douchebaggy about it, but he was with the female leader the whole time. He didn't know who she was. And at one point, you know, he was talking about how different people were handling technical pieces of gravel. And so he was, you know, kind of commenting like, oh, she's not doing this right because she's sliding. Again, he was not being douchebaggy. Right. I realized who it was. And I was like, oh, this is funny. He doesn't know that she's never done a gravel event before and not really ever (laughs) written gravel. However, she's in the front, like she's the female leader. And he was like, I think they ended up being like three packs and he was the third he was in the third group back. So he was pretty, I think he finished top 30 or something. So he was pretty far up. He was up there. Um, but they got to the mountain bike section and she was gone. <laughs> <laughs> there goes Rose. She was just like, and he, to be fair, he got stuck behind somebody, but he never caught her again. <laughs> yeah. And That's I think funny. that the mountain, the single track was kind of toward the end of that ride. So it was, it was just, I was cracking up, um, you know, that that just shows how good of a cyclist she is to pull yeah. off and to be the winner of an event like that when you've never ridden gravel. Cause the single track wasn't, it wasn't a huge section of single track on that event. No. So, anyway. But crazy, but it's a good talk with Rose. Yeah. So we will go on to our interview with Rose Grant. 
Hey, Catherine, I'm so excited that Gooders Come On is one of our sponsors. I know we love Gooder sunglasses because they come in so many fun colors and sassy fun names. Like I got Lance's afternoon uppers. And I got Rose before Brose. <laughs> <laughs> they're really fun. And they're also performance sunglasses. So they're no slip, no bounce and polarized. They start at a ridiculously low price of $25 a pair. <laughs> Which means that Gooder is generously offering our listeners nothing. Nothing. Nothing at all. You do not need a discount when you already have the most affordable performance shades on the planet. So go to gooder.com slash feisty and that's G-O-O-D-R dot com slash feisty now. These glasses even look good with mud on them. They do. <laughs> Christy, do you know we have a new podcast sponsor? Did you get your gear yet? I did. I was so excited. Val Corva showed up the other day and I, um, I'm in love. <laughs> I think I have my new very favorite shorts, both for working out, walking my dog and like posts a long ride. Yeah, totally. That Well, and I got that green. Did you get the green? You didn't get the green. I, I got, got the green. I got like an eggplant color. They're fantastic. I'm sorry. My green ones are better than your eggplant. <laughs> well, I really love the fun colors and all the fun patterns. I got really fun pants as well. And I love, this is my favorite thing. They have a pocket. I know. Every pair of pants. So like after a ride, slide them on, put my cell phone in the pocket. It's amazing. Yep. They work perfect. And they're, they are the, the shorts are the right length. My three quarter length tights. They're obviously, they're an awesome link, but they're super fun. I got the black and white stripe and they're, they're really cute. So I'm so stoked. And the quality is, uh, yeah, I was stoked. And they're incredibly affordable. I know. We yeah. are very excited to have Belcorva as a new sponsor to the Girls Gone Gravel podcast. You can go over to belcorva.com to pick up your fun new tights or shorts. Get the green ones. Well, we are so excited to be recording today, and uh, this is Catherine. I'm the only person on this call that does not have snow outside my window, <laughs> which is crazy because it's not even Halloween when we're recording, but I'm here with Christy, who has snow, and uh, we have all the way from Northwest Montana, Rose Grant. Hi, Rose. Hello. Thanks for having me. Yes. I'm guessing you have more snow than Christy. Maybe. I know our mountains do for sure. We have a skiff on the valley floors. I don't know we, what that We means. have more than a skiff. Yeah. So mm -hmm. for today, we win. <laughs> I guarantee you. And I don't know if that's actually winning. It's like, like what? It's, early, it's late October. We shouldn't have any snow right now, as far as I'm concerned, in Kansas. But, but there you go. So I'm Indian summer all the way. So. <laughs> I think what gets me more about this time of year is the days getting so short. Like I can kind of handle the cold. I can kind of handle the snow, but then you start taking that daylight away. I'm like, hang it. Yeah. Summer. By the time this comes out, we will be in daylight savings time. Uh, it's crazy. It's crazy. Um, we are on the other hand, getting a hurricane 
coming toward barreling toward Atlanta on Thursday. Yeah. So <laughs> there's that. <laughs> but Rose, we're so glad you're here. We didn't get you on to talk about the weather. Um, <laughs> so I'd love to hear a little bit more about you and your background and just, yeah, tell our listeners all about who you are. All right. Um, well, I grew up in Northwest Montana here with my mom and dad and four brothers, um, about three hours south of where we live now in the Flathead Valley. Um, I homeschooled growing up, lived a really simple life. My dad was just really passionate about the outdoors and I did sports just on a very, uh, more casual level. I think competitive athletics was nothing that my parents ever pushed, um, had a competitive drive just naturally. Um, and did like, I showed horses in 4-H, I skied in the winter, but really just didn't do anything at a very competitive level. Um, partially just a small town and homeschooling and some of the opportunities maybe didn't present themselves. And, um, yeah, I just, I went to a smaller college in Florida, met my husband. Uh, We lived in Maine for a while before re- relocating back to Kalispell area here in Montana. Um, and I ran a lot. I ran a lot for just exercise and fitness and did a few marathons. I did the Boston marathon in 2007 and then just continued to have some overuse injuries from running and was navigating the balance of building volume and didn't have a coach, you know, I was just kind of doing whatever I wanted and got on the bike. Um, I'd ridden some in high school, but not a lot. And through that injury, got back on the bike and did some local racing here around Whitefish and through some success locally joined a shop team, um, here in Kalispell and, through that team, I just kind of had my world to cycling just opened in front of me. And I was in my late twenties at the time. Um, so yeah. And then from there, I rode amateur for a year in 2011 and just, just came naturally to me. I just was able to ride a bike, um, well, and was just strong athletically and won races as an amateur and regionally primarily. Um, so I upgraded race pro in 2012 and I went to my first pro CT in Colorado Springs in 2012 in about June of that year. And then a couple weeks later, I found out I was expecting our daughter Layla. Um, and so the first few years of my professional career was definitely not probably a typical story of entering the pro ranks. Um, and then as she got older, I was able to participate in a few more local, uh, professional events, CTs and things like that. Just, I did very, um, intentionally and I could pick a few. So I went to nationals when she was a baby. I went to like the Missoula pro XCT, which is a Montana pro XCT, um, just picked and chose pretty sparingly, um, but I was just really always kind of blessed, felt like I was blessed with results and, um, gained some notoriety. And I joined the, uh, Stan's women's team in 2015, kind of known as the Stan's pink team, um, with a great group of women and 
just was able to attend a few more races. And then in 2016, I joined the Stan's Pivot Pro team, um, which is the team I'm currently with. So this was all racing mountain bikes, correct? It was, yeah. And cross country, <laughs> when you say cross country mountain bike? Correct. So on a side note, how does one become a pro in mountain biking? I don't know the process. Yeah, I mean, it's largely subjective. So there's not a very strict point system. I think that we had an official, local official, who was a USA cycling official, who just basically like approved my upgrade. So it's, you know, it's pretty simple, maybe providing a couple of results that are legitimate. Um, yeah, it was, it was, you know, I had just raced one year as an amateur. So it was crazy it wasn't that hard. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, it wasn't that hard and you were also really fast. So like, it's kind of <laughs> it was just a combination. Yeah. I mean, I definitely found out that I had talent there. Yeah. <laughs> um, which one of, of the events that you've done, do you have a favorite, um, mountain bike race that you, that you like? I have a few, I think there's some, you know, usually those positive races go along with a, a positive result. Oh, sure. <laughs> Um, you know, Leadville was really huge for me because it was also monumental in my career of, um, just coming back after injury and then like being able to build to that level and having a race like that, that was primarily like perfect <laughs> for my first time. Mm -hmm. Um, so that one's really special and, you know, the course is really hard and if you're having a bad day, it would be really brutal. <laughs> So, um, yeah, so that's definitely one that sticks out in my career. Um, the Missoula Pro XCT, I hold close to my heart just cause it's my home race and it's, it's here at home. The whiskey off roads, another one, which is similar. That was my first pro, my first big pro win in 2016, um, when I won the whiskey off road and I love that course too. Actually, it's a combination of just a great course. And then, yeah, having had some really positive memories there as well. I've heard lots of good stuff about that event and I've never, I've never been. So yeah, all the Epic rides are really fun. But the whiskey's extra special. <laughs> Is there whiskey involved? In the <laughs> That's what we need to really know. Well, if you want it to be, it can be always involved. <laughs> Personal choice. Exactly. So you mentioned injuries. And uh, when we were talking just before we started, you had said that uh, that's been a significant part of your journey is what you've learned through injuries, going through injuries. I know that we, a lot of us face that. So why don't you tell us a little bit more about that process? Sure. I think I've found until as an athlete, you've gone through some hardship, you're not mature as you could, as you could be. And yeah, you know, it's like, man, those bumps and bruises along the way is just what makes you deeper and stronger. So yeah, I, I, I feel like I maybe have a reputation of being the comeback queen. I think, um, you know, just beginning my injury or my, my pro career, um, you know, with a pregnancy and childbirth and like going through that process and just like being pretty focused to, to finish or to come back 
Um, and then after that, I had a few years that were pretty smooth, tore my ACL in 2016, and then recovered from that, uh, suffered from a re-dislocating shoulder reoccurringly in 2017, kind of just made racing challenging across the board. And then 2018, I broke my fibula and then opted after I was able to weight bear on that again, I opted to have my shoulder fixed too, just so that when I came back to racing, I was fully sound, but, um, so it's just, you know, just kind of felt like as much effort as I was putting into my sport and this passion that I loved, I just kind of felt a little betrayed by it in return and had asked those hard questions. What keeps me coming back? Why am I, why am I doing this to myself? And cause it doesn't affect just me. You know, I have a child and my husband and it affects the whole family when I injure myself. <laughs> yeah. And so, um, I think it really more than anything just gave me better perspective. Like I'm choosing to do this sport. I know there's risk involved and I am pretty cautious now that uh, a little less willing to make risks that aren't necessary. And just, I think the whole process was really grounding for me in that Um, there's nothing more important than relationships and be like your family, good relationships. And there's certain things that I'm not willing to sacrifice for racing at this point in my career either, but I've also found a great balance where I can do both really well, but it, I have to protect my boundaries, um, and just be confident in what I will and will not do. And just to know, like, racing won't always be there for you. Like you can train really hard. You can be a hundred percent and you know, the bottom can drop out any time. And just the importance of having sustenance and depth beyond an identity as a racer, um, is I think super valuable. Um, you know, that that's not your entire world. Um, just it's, you know, it is part of my identity and, naturally just will always be. And I'm, I want it to be, I love it. (laughs) But at the same time, like I'm not just a bike racer either. So, um, when COVID happens and racing's not happening and you're not getting the recognition for results, like I don't need it. Like maybe I did it at one point or saw after at one point. Um, you know, I'm grounded that in my value as uh, an individual outside of, of racing as well. So I think that's a really healthy perspective. Um, I yeah. think it's a hard one to get to a lot of times. Um, sure. As much, you know, I was, I was at the finish line of Leadville in 2019 when you came across as the champion. And um, obviously, I was impressed by your performance that day, but I think what got me the most was your finish line celebration because it was multi-generational. And for me, that was one of those things where I'm like, you know, this is, this looks like a woman that's figured out what the balance is like. Um, Can you speak a little bit to that? Like having your mom and your daughter there at the finish line? Um, Yeah. 
that was super special. It doesn't happen a lot, but my mom is very instrumental part of my cycling career. And, um, she's just the, she's the most consistent person in my life. Like she is just solid and I'm beyond grateful for her. And she doesn't make it to a lot of my races, but she's always there in a support role. She helps a lot with Layla when I'm gone at races. Um, and when they can be there, they, they are, but it's just not always. And, um, yeah, the values that my mom has taught me, you know, and just her testimony as just being a fully committed mom, you know, to her kids has played a role in how I parent and my priorities in life. And, you know, I think you always are blessed in return for having those figured out a little bit and honoring those priorities and values. Um, you know, even though it's may, may not feel easy or whatever, like it is, it's always worth the reward for sure. What does your daughter think about all this? Is she too young still to like figure it out? Or like when she sees you win Leadville, like what is she? Oh, she, she's fully aware of what's going on. <laughs> she's seven. Um, yeah, she's really proud. She, when, if people ask her what I do, she tells them I'm a professional bike racer. Um, when I take her out riding and we're practicing switchbacks or whatever it might be, she just gets an, a tremendous amount of joy from accomplishing uh, a technical, you know, rock or whatever. And, you know, she said to me, like in the past, like, man, I get to have a professional bike racer as my teacher. Like she'll say that stuff and it just melts my heart and just almost makes me feel like I'm not even worthy. Like really, (laughs) it's so cute. Um, And when I, in 2018, I sat that season out and didn't race at all just because I, that's when I had broken my ankle and also had my shoulder repaired and, when I came back to racing in 2019, it was a pretty slow comeback. I had, I took me a while to, to regain like the race intensity and to find some results that I felt I was performing my best at again. So I think my first race was uh, marathon nationals on mother's day and I won and she was there and was so proud. I mean, she wants, she, she, she's competitive too, actually. We're very similar. So I really try not to push her in any way because she pushes herself. But when I won uh, marathon nationals on mother's day in 2019, um, yeah, she was really stoked. And, you know, she, she gets all nervous to get up on the podium with me, you know, she's like, Oh, I'm nervous, but she wants to. So yeah, I get to share that with her and it's very special. That's really fun. Uh, the uh, woman that owns Live Feisty that started Live Feisty, she was a professional triathlete. And apparently her daughter, when she was about that age, was telling her teachers that she was a professional triathlon at school. Oh. Her teachers were like, so your daughter's saying you're a professional triathlon. You know, like they're uh-huh. like, is she making this up? Or is like this, like she really... Yep. you know, a professional something. And she's like, I am a professional athlete. I am not a professional triathlon. Sure. 
<laughs> so it she like, almost had it right. <laughs> so close. That's cute. Well, you had like, I look at that. I'm like, there's mom lots all over the place there. Cause you know, you get the inspiration from your mom. And then as a mom, you get the, get the inspiration from your daughter as well. So it's pretty, it's, it's pretty fun to see. And I just, I keep thinking like, um, obviously it's so rad that you're winning, but as, as a female inspiring daughters everywhere, it's just pretty, pretty cool to watch. So it's a fun moment for sure. But, Thank you. I definitely yeah. feel like it's a, a role I've been blessed with. Um, <laughs> you know, I didn't anticipate, I, I mean, I had no idea. I, I didn't have a vision of what it would look like, you know, nothing. I think in the beginning, I just was really pursuing it with faith that like, this is a gift I've been blessed with. Like, let's see what happens. And then as it's unfolded, it just kind of tends to continues to blow me away. Well, you took that gift um, off the trails and onto the gravel recently. <laughs> yes, I did. Which inspired me to like reach out and be like, hey, look, you know, we got to have Rose on Girls Gone Gravel now. So talk about that. Yeah, we've had very little racing and Cedar City was, on, I mean, I've been intending to start some gravel racing. Mm -hmm. I was going to do Lead, or the SBT gravel last year after Leadville, ended up not doing it to pursue world championships, um, but had Cedar City BWR on my calendar since, you know, last winter and was really happy that came to fruition and ended up happening and that I, you know, trained all, all summer on a little more flexible level, but had the fitness to be able to go and, and race my first gravel race. And it was a very new experience from any race I've ever raced before, but really fun. And I'm, yeah, I'm excited to enter into that discipline a bit more. How was the start line, you know, in a COVID world now? I mean, obviously we're all anxious to get back, I think. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think it's a risk we take as racers to line up with each other. And um, I have mixed feelings about about it, even though I'm not particularly paranoid myself about getting sick. I think it's more for the protection of being able to race that we just are really cognizant of taking those protocols so that we don't get shut down. Yeah. <laughs> so having a mass start like that is definitely, I, I mean, I have some mixed feelings about having that many people so close together, but we're outside you know, and people did wear their face coverings. Um, and so I was fine with it. I don't know if there's a better way that could, if you could run a race start like that. Um, sure. I was definitely more worried about the mass start itself than the COVID. So. <laughs> <laughs> that was sketchy. I was, I, I mountain bike, I think, because I, I'm not the most comfortable riding in large groups of people. And then you add the high speeds of, you know, being on a gravel bike and pavement. And there were many, many crashes. And so I naturally tend to create this little bubble in front of me of like my buffer area, which is constantly getting overtaken by people, you know? And so I tend to get sucked back into the crowd 
Um, so I have some work to do in that area of the race. And it just, you know, once things kind of sort themselves out and spread out a little bit, I feel like I can get my rhythm and get going. And that's what happened. But it was uncomfortable. <laughs> I think most people feel that way about mass starts. And I don't like Christy, is it normal? Do you see a lot of crashes at that race to be named in Kansas? Um, when it's <laughs> when it starts because I I did notice like the first few days of the Tour de France this year they were saying there were more crashes than ever before but they felt like it was because people hadn't been racing so when you don't practice it obviously like then you got the race nerves and all that well, I mean I think we're you know I'm going to say that and then knock on wood something tragic is going to happen but um no not really um but I, when I got to race it, I remember that was when I was the most nervous was like, I didn't want to be the race director taking out the front half of the field either. So <laughs> I definitely played it cautious on my rollout just because I was like, that's the, and it was rainy and slick too. So it was mm -hmm. like, you know, that buffer that you speak of when I'm racing, my husband's like, you can't have that because people just take over your buffer Yeah, that you just kind of get slid back. And then I'm always at a mass start event, I'm always looking forward to about 15 minutes in when things kind of yeah loosen up and the nerves go down from every, I mean, you can feel that nervousness, I think on the entire start line, For um, sure. just, yeah. you know, people holding their line. And I, I probably would argue that you're safer closer to the front because you're with For people sure. more skilled and yeah know, know how to be there. Um, but, um, you know, it happens. For yeah, sure. I think it just takes some practice and mountain bike starts aren't like that typically. And so I haven't had a whole lot of practice. I think it's just one of those scenarios where it's like sink or swim. You know, if I get aggressive, I know I can do it and I've done it before well. Mm -hmm. um, but as soon as I'm like, you know, I kind of take on that safety mentality, I think, where it's like, man, just protect yourself, like, just make it through this part, even though you look like it looks like the leaders are way out in front of you. Technically, they're probably only 30 seconds or a minute, like they're really not that far you have six hours of racing to do. So just, you know, keep it together now and it'll um, sort itself out and, you know, let it play out. And I think that's something else that I've been able to embrace too, with the longer races that I really enjoy about the longer events is, um, you know, just let it play out. There's so many things you, you can't control that when you get to the start line, like the things you can control, uh, a lot of them are, are done. And so you can just control the controllables and um, let the race come to you. And so I've tried to allow myself that space of allowing that race to come to you in a very natural way, you know, that's not forced. If there's anything that can't be forced, it's, you know, success in cycling, whether that be, you know, like a family situation that is requiring priority or, um, you know, getting those legs to pedal harder, <laughs> like let it come to you. Well, speaking of waffles, I'm really good at transitions, by the way, Rose. Speaking good. of waffles, <laughs> you mentioned that you um, have a, a strong baking hobby. 
I, I need yeah, to you could say that. <laughs> Tell us more about that. Okay. Uh, yeah, I think I've always, and I probably got that from my mom too. Um, just always cooked like nutritious food from scratch. Faye had, I grew up, my parents having big garden, like live off the land mentality, a lot of canning. Um, I grew up in a family of hunters. So, you know, my husband hunts. And so just, you know, I think having a, seeing food is like good fuel and um, having a healthy side to that. And then I do enjoy baking a lot, uh, creating treats in the kitchen. So I think, yeah, food should taste good and also be healthy. Good for you. Enjoyed. Food should be enjoyable, even though you're still eating well and healthy. And um, I really enjoy creating recipes that are great fuel for training or for growing active children and um, that tastes good. So I've been having fun with that uh, a lot and kind of feel like I, I want to do something with that in the future. I don't know what, but I have fun kind of documenting my recipes and what I make. And, um, I, I cook, we eat in, you know, almost every night and I prefer that. I enjoy it. I enjoy shopping for my ingredients and putting them together to create, you know, these meals. And, um, and yeah, I, I'd like to do something with it one day and, um, yeah, I don't know what exactly, but well, I, I like documenting your track of them. And I was gonna say, I follow your, um, Rose K grant on Instagram. Do you have one that's for your cooking? You should start that or at least recipes with Rose. Oh, I'm going to look it up nice. right now. I'm totally, yeah. I will probably be way more interested in that than your. <laughs> I started it last winter, I think at some point, um, because I was cooking a lot with dates and making just a lot of recipes and I was having a hard time, um, not overloading my racing Instagram account with food stuff. <laughs> and so I did start recipes with Rose and over the summer, I definitely noticed that I wasn't baking and cooking as much. They were more, you know, summer lighter meals. And I don't turn my oven on as often in the summer. Um, but it's the season again. So um, there are the coconut cashew date balls on your Instagram. Yeah. Look amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it's lunchtime here. Yeah. I'm getting really yeah. hungry looking at your Instagram account. Um, oh, and these cupcakes with the Easter bunnies. They're adorable. <laughs> um, so hungry make, now. Thanks. For I that. know. <laughs> do you make uh, ride fuel? Like do you think things that you take out when you train? Yeah, I do. Um, you know, normally it's like quick breads or banana breads or cookies. A lot of the time date balls I take. Um, yeah. And then like for racing, I think in the, like in the gravel race, I made the rice cakes. Um, have you heard of the, like you make cook sushi rice and then you can cook random things into it or yeah so it makes a pretty soft and palatable bar um for racing specifically I don't train as much much with those but when you're racing it's hard to get food down and those are just soft and moist and 
go down a bit easier. So well, your, your rice bars are way different than mine then. <laughs> oh, are they? Are yours not? I feel like uh, Betsy told us about those, how she uses those. I, I've like, got, they're so easy. Yeah. You can't destroy them. And then the next week I burned like a whole pot of rice, like the whole bottom uh-huh. of my pot. And I was like, I think I can. I think oh I can. God. There you go. Oh. <laughs> so Rose, if you start making things, I will order them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so sad. No, I'm. that's awesome. But yeah, I need to try the rice cakes again. I Like the last time I did, my husband and I were doing like a 160 mile ride together and like, I just thought they'd be successful. So that's the food we took. Yeah. Yeah. That ended up not working out so well. Like as in a phone call to pick us up because I was like, we're out of food. Oh, <laughs> but anyway, yeah. Maybe you know. for a training ride. Training ride. More. Yeah. Like I, yeah. I, I, racing. I did a combination of, I think I ate four or five rice bars, you know, and they're just, they're not a specific size. Yeah. I basically like filled my cheeks and then, you know, put the rest back in my pocket and then just chugged water bottle to get it down, get it down my nice. throat. <laughs> so yeah, <laughs> nothing's really palatable when you're racing, but I did a combination of that and gels um, and then hydration mix. But yeah, racing is much different than training. So yeah, <laughs> yeah. I believe it. So. Yeah. Rose, tell us where everybody can find you. Like you yeah. said, uh, recipes with Rose. And then what's your other, your racing Instagram? Uh, my racing Instagram is Rose K Grant, um, where I try to share race and lifestyle, um, just mom moments. And um, my most recent was actually my, the buck that I harvested um, last weekend. So randomly there'll be some other content on there too and then yeah that's primarily where I'm the most active um I do have a website but I'm not the best at maintaining it and then uh same with Facebook but yeah awesome and if you want to connect with me or have any questions too just you can always message me through Instagram yeah if you want to check out the Belgian waffle ride or hunting elk hunting Okay. There you go. <laughs> Message Rose. I love it. <laughs> Through there her Instagram account. I love the diversity of all that. And we will look forward to seeing your daughter. I have a feeling we're going to see her on some start lines. Uh, yeah. Pretty high level. I think so. I don't have to push her very hard. So yeah. How go do that event in Kansas and she could do like the 25 miler and you could do the 200. Yeah, mile. I know. <laughs> one, one of these years I'll be there. Yeah. 200 miles. That's going to be a milestone for me. <laughs> You'll be great at it. <laughs> so I look forward cool. to it. Well, thank you so much. The Girls Gone Gravel podcast is a production of Live Feisty Media. Subscribe, like, and comment on your listening platform. Our producer is Taylor Mayhem Rudolph. You can follow us on all of the socials at Girls Gone Gravel or visit our website at girlsgonegravel.com.